I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Last week, I talked about where the story begins. With narcissistic people, their story does not begin with how they treated you. Rather, it begins with how you react to their treatment of you. Today is part two. I am going to give you an approach to boundary setting that has been absolutely life-changing for me. A new perspective that allows you to take charge of your own life and be the person that you want to be. Such a simple approach, but one that we so often overlook. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Let's take a minute and recap last week. Their story, the narcissist story, begins with your reaction to their abusive behavior. They can yell at you, curse at you, intimidate you, and that's clearly okay by their standards. However, don't you dare do anything about it. If I open up to a friend for emotional support, how do they react to that? They react with, I can't believe you would tell them. Why would you do that? Now they will think that I'm a mean and horrible person. I can't believe you did that. What? So you do think that your actions portray a mean and horrible person then? And you're mad at me? I'm the bad person here? What part of this makes sense? If I yell back or even put my foot down firmly, their response is, I can't believe you would talk to me this way. No matter how they've been talking to me, that doesn't seem to matter. I've never heard you talk like this before. You need to go calm down. Maybe you need to talk to a counselor. This isn't how you should talk to your spouse. That really hurt me, you know. These are the things they say. You know, do they even hear how they were just talking to you? Do they even realize how much your word, their words hurt you? You know, it's like they can talk however they please, but you're not allowed to do anything about it. I think we can all see the craziness here. I mean, let's use a really simple analogy. If I hit a dog, and I tell you I would never do this. I absolutely love dogs and I love animals. I would never hit a dog. But let's just imagine for a minute. If I hit a dog and the dog bit me, now, I can be mad at the dog and blame it all on the dog that I'm now hurt. I can't believe that dog bit me. Or I can say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have hit the dog. I probably should not have done that. Because, you know, that's where the story actually begins. I say to you, I say all this to say that this abuse is not your fault. Even if you have gotten reactive to it, it's still not your fault. It's not your fault. And there's several reasons for this because 
you know, we get roped into these relationships and, and over time, all of this abuse comes and we don't know that it's abusive until we know. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. But the traits that, like I talked about last time, that people call codependent, these are traits that I carry in me, that I'm willing to overlook the faults in another person, that I'm willing to do more than my fair share of the work, that I'm willing to believe in the goodness of another person, that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Do not blame yourself for these things. Do not try to change them. Do not let this abusive person in your life make you someone that you do not wish to be and in fact, someone that you are not by nature. They don't get that right. No one does. So how do I protect these vulnerable traits in me? Without boundaries, as we have talked about, these traits are so easily abused by manipulative people. And highly sensitive people must work extra hard to find ways to implement boundaries. Having to put boundaries in place does not come automatically to me. I want to trust people. I want to be open and honest and genuine and spontaneous. Boundaries? Why would I have to put boundaries in? But it is very important to know that these boundaries are not for the other person. They are for you. It isn't boundaries like, well, you will not talk to me that way. You will not curse at me. You will not do this or you will not do that. It's not a list of rules for the other person to follow or not. This approach does not work, and especially with a covert narcissist or other manipulative type person. Giving them boundaries is like giving them a challenge. Their mind just kind of lights up going, ooh, game on. Instead, these boundaries are for you. What you will do and not do. And the kind of boundaries I'm suggesting here are guided by your own desires in life. Your desires about who you are and who you want to be. What are your personal character goals? I'll use some of my personal examples to explain this. I want to believe in others. I want to believe people's words and I want to trust their actions. I want this. I don't want to be skeptical. That's not me. I want to forgive others. I want to be willing to overlook their faults and give them the space to be human. I want to be willing to do more than my fair share of the work and I want to find myself not keeping score. I want to have awareness of other people's feelings and to be sensitive to them. I want to care for them and give them space when it's needed. None of these desires are bad things. But the manipulative people of our world, they would tell me otherwise. Well, you know what? That's no longer my problem. I get to choose who I am, and so do you. Now let's look at a few of these, and I want to share with you how to implement boundaries to protect these. The first one is, I, I desire to believe in other people. I desire to believe their words and to trust their actions. Now, I do need to change that desire a little bit. You know, I don't want to live in a way that I'm doubting their words, judging what they said, looking for hidden agendas. That's what narcissistic people do. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to walk away from conversations thinking, well, what did they mean by that? Should I be offended? Are they really telling me the truth? No. I simply want to believe them and their words. I want to trust that they mean well, 
and that they're not trying to take advantage of me in some hidden way. I just don't want to live defensively and guarded. Again, this is how narcissistic people live. So the boundary that I need has to do with who I choose to surround myself with. Instead of focusing on the desire to believe others, I now focus on the desire to surround myself with people that I can believe. Let me say that again. Instead of kind of thinking about it as the desire to believe others and working towards, okay, I really want to believe others. No, I want to focus on surrounding my people, myself with people that I can believe. This is a healthy boundary for me. It allows me to continue to believe others, which is a trait that I value. And it's a boundary that allows me to keep that trait safe and, and to live securely and confidently. I choose to surround myself with people that I can believe in. Sure, they may accidentally say something that hurt my feelings, but it's different. Instead of thinking bad thoughts about them, well, they're so mean and selfish and bullish and manipulative, maybe they're a narcissist and so on. I can safely give them the benefit of the doubt. I can trust that they didn't mean it that way because I know them and I know I can trust them. And I'm safe enough even to talk with them about it. These are the people that I want in my life. So how do I implement this boundary? Well, start paying attention to how you feel around someone. Watch their behaviors. Become an observer of life. Do their actions line up with their words? Does their behavior show that they care? Their words might say it, but actions do speak louder than words. How do you feel around them? Are you secure, peaceful, spontaneous? Or are you guarded and hesitant? If you don't trust them, don't talk yourself out of that. Do not use logic to convince your heart that it's wrong. We've all done that. All you need to do is simply reduce your time with them. Begin reducing your time, energy, and investment into that person. I want to invest myself in people whom I can trust and believe. I do get to choose who I spend my time with in life. I will not live under obligation anymore. I've done enough of that and so have you. Remember, this is a boundary for you. And you do not owe them an explanation. You do not need to tell them why you are pulling away. You certainly can if you want to, but often that really does not go over well. Unless, of course, it's a person you can believe in, but then you don't have this issue in the first place. The second desire for me is I want to forgive others. I want to be willing to overlook their faults. I don't like how anger feels inside of me. I do not desire to be an angry person. So I need to surround myself with people that don't make me angry. People that don't provoke anger inside of me. Yes, everyone's going to offend each other sometimes. It's going to happen even with people you can trust. But if I meet my first criteria of connecting with people that I believe in and trust, then I can believe that they did not mean to harm me. They did not mean to hurt me. And so I can find peace with them. I can be willing to overlook their faults. It was a simple human mistake. And I can give them that space to be human. I want people in my life who are open to forgiveness. Who are quick and eager to reconcile. People who are willing to own their own humanness. They're humble. And they're forgiving as well. People who say that, you know, 
yeah, I could have said that better. People who say things that they could have said better and they're actually okay with that means that they don't have to be perfect. They don't see themselves as perfect and protecting some image. They don't have to be flawless and incredibly defensive of everything they do and say. They give themselves room to be human. And in so doing, they are able to give me the space to be human too. So what do I do when I find someone who is not open to forgiveness? For starters, I have to learn how to recognize this. These are the people who create circular conversations. And if you missed my episodes on that, go back and listen to them. These are the conversations that loop and loop, no reconciliation in sight. And the only way out is through your apology. Someone who is not open to forgiveness, they have to always be right. They will explain how they are right, no matter how trivial the situation. They will make sure that you know they are right. They say things like, well, I was saying that. That's what I meant. See, I was right. I had asked my husband if he knew where one of my books was. It was one that he used as well. And he said, well, it's on your bookcase where it always is. I said, no, it isn't, but thanks. I'll, I'll look for it. I just wondered if you thought, if you knew where it was. It was no big deal. And I started looking for it. But again, he tells me, no, it's on your bookcase. And I know it's not there. I had already looked there. But again, it's not a big deal. And I told him, no worries, I'll find it. No, I'm telling you, it's on your bookcase. And now he goes to my bookcase. He picks up a different book and says, see, here it is. I was right. No, I said, that's not the one I'm looking for. But but don't worry about it. Well, this is the one you said you wanted. No, I didn't. I need the other one. But again, no worries. I'll find it. At this point, I'm not upset, but I'm getting there. Well, this is the one you said you were looking for. I can't help you if you can't even get that right. And off he storms. You know, it really wasn't a big deal that he thought of the other book. But it becomes a big deal because he has to continue to prove that he is right rather than just being okay with being wrong. And on such a trivial thing. This is one example of hundreds. I want to be able to overlook the faults of others. But covert narcissists make this absolutely impossible. This was such a tiny I mean, it was like not a big deal at all. Definitely worth overlooking. But he simply would not let that happen. He just wouldn't let it be okay. I want to surround myself with people who will allow life to happen, even with their own faults, the little things that happen that just don't matter. People who are okay with the tiny, small mistakes that we all make as humans. People who cannot overlook the faults of others cannot acknowledge that they have any faults of their own. They just are not capable of being vulnerable. And I mean genuinely vulnerable, not fake vulnerable. What do I mean by fake vulnerable? Well, your heart is your own guide on this. You know when someone is genuine or not. You can feel the difference. Fake vulnerability often comes out as, I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad person. How can you ever forgive me? And it's this syrupy garbage. I don't deserve someone as good as you. I'm just so worthless and I ruin everything. Their apology just doesn't line up with what actually happened. This type of apology is simply not productive. It's a woe is me attitude looking for you to build them back up and make them feel all good about themselves again. 
Well, if they are the one apologizing and you are the one doing all the work, please take that as a red flag. This is not a person who understands forgiveness, vulnerability, reconciliation. So for me, this is a person who I will limit my time and investment with. I can still forgive them, but I'll simply walk away. I forgive them because I am a forgiving person, not because they deserve it or not. It has nothing to do with that. I want to forgive others. I choose not to hold on to the anger because that I don't want inside of me. But at the same time, I choose to walk away. Forgiveness does not mean that they get to stay in my life and continue to treat me badly. In fact, it's got nothing to do with that. I want to be a person who is willing to overlook the faults of others, knowing that we all have them. Number three, I want to be willing to do more than my fair share of the work. And I want to do this without keeping score. This doesn't mean that I always do more than my share, but it does mean that I'm willing to be a hard worker. When I see stuff that needs to be done, I do it. And I'm okay with that. However, that can easily mean that I end up doing everything. And it certainly meant that in my marriage to a covert narcissist. I did all the stuff, all the house stuff, indoor and outdoor. I cleaned, cooked, did laundry, took care of the kids, yard work, all of it. I don't mind being a hard worker. But when the other person does nothing, it becomes incredibly difficult not to keep score. When I am mowing the grass all summer long while he's inside playing on the Xbox, it's incredibly difficult to not notice. I don't want to notice. I don't want to be a person who keeps score. Well, noticing is not the problem. Having someone in my life who's not pulling their own weight and is not appreciative of any of the work that I do, that's the problem. With a covert narcissist, being willing to do more than your fair share of the work often becomes doing everything. And it also means cleaning up their messes and covering for them and their shortcomings. But when we do this, we're simply allowing the covert narcissist to continue their destructive behavior. And they certainly will. And as they do, you find yourself doing more and more of the work. It's a downward spiral. And over time, you will find yourself resenting all of this. Why should I be cleaning up all the messes for him? Why should I be doing all the work for him so that he can have friendships and relationships with his kids and hobbies? Over all the years, this work that you've been doing piles up and you find yourself someone that you're not. You find yourself living in a resentment and that's not who I am. I don't want to live keeping score and I certainly don't want to live with resentment. Again, I need to surround myself with the right people. When people are genuinely appreciative of the work you do, it makes it so much easier to be a hard worker. I don't mind a little extra work when someone is genuinely in need and thankful for my time and effort. Someone who's appreciative of the hard work, they also will carry their own weight at times. If they are truly appreciative, then they're going to want to balance it when they can. It's a natural way to show gratitude and care. And when someone is truly appreciative and reciprocates the effort, no one needs to keep score. And no one needs to carry resentment. That is how I want to live my life. Number four, I want to have awareness of other people's feelings and be sensitive to them. Feelings are a large part of life. They are so incredibly valuable and important. Feelings are a glimpse into the inner world of another person. They are your body's response to the thoughts that are in your head, whether those thoughts are conscious or not. I want to be aware of other people's feelings. I want to acknowledge them and be sensitive to them. 
I want to talk in a way that helps other people to feel better about themselves and about life, which means I need people around me who are open to this. These are people who are cooperative with each other. Narcissistic people do not know how to be cooperative. They work against you every step of the way. There is nothing cooperative about their communication. In fact, everything is a competition and a combat zone. It simply should not be so incredibly hard to have a regular conversation with your partner. So with a covert narcissistic person, when you try to be sensitive to their feelings, they turn this against you. When you try to talk in a way that you believe is healthy and caring, they turn this against you. In fact, no matter how I talk to him, he turned it against me. Relationships take work, sure, but not that kind of work. It should not take so much daily effort just to manage to have a calm and peaceful conversation about anything. It should not be so hard to talk to each other in a way that is uplifting and encouraging. This should be the normal. This should be the desire from both people. I want to be aware of other people's feelings and be sensitive to them. I want to be an encouragement to others. I want to notice that they need support or alone time and be respectful of those needs. But again, this only works if the other person is receptive and cooperative. Two words that do not go together with covert narcissist. So as I have continued on this healing journey, I have started to really reflect on who I am, who I want to be and how to accomplish this. Instead of focusing on the desire to believe others, I already have that desire. Instead, I'm focusing on the desire to surround myself with people that I can believe in. And this goes with all the traits that I desire in life. If you are not out of the relationship with a covert narcissist, I recognize how incredibly difficult this all is. If you are surrounded by family members who are narcissistic, it is painfully tough to just distance yourself from them. I completely understand that. However, you can begin that journey in small bits. Start by finding those people in your life that allow you to live the way you want to live. Value those people. Protect those friendships and invest in them. Little by little, you will experience the complete delight of being able to be you, finally, once again. Along the way, you will gain more strength and confidence in who you are as well. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.